welcome. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. You are in the right place. I know you've been looking for this all day long, all week long, maybe most of your life, and you have finally found it. I'm Doug Berry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Hyland. We've got Susan Tassoni with us tonight. Hey! Great show on one of the key aspects of eschatology, the study of the final things. And we're all going to go through these final things, and we're going to get into some of that tonight, especially the five burning truths of purgatory. But of course, everything begins with prayer. And Father, I always defer to you for the prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. In battle. Be our defense against the wickedness that snares the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And of course, before we get started, I want to tell everybody else out there who have been praying for us, thank you so much for your prayers, your support, your help. Those of you who support us through the Patreon program, if anybody wants to help us, financially continue this work get these messages out such as the five burning truths of purgatory important messages click the link in the description below on this youtube video if you're listening on another platform audio platform then we encourage you to go out to the youtube channel at the u.s grace force and click on the link and you can prayerfully consider supporting us through patreon also like subscribe help us grow the ranks help us get the word out about these messages that are so important for us especially in these times also, don't hesitate to go out to our official gear page and get yourself a great t-shirt, as I'm wearing tonight. My rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Okay, important that we get these messages out. We can wear t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, the whole nine yards. There's some good stuff out there, even baby onesies. I always like to mention that. Also, on November 2nd, 4th, and 6th, the Battle Ready Coalition, which is a piece of the U.S. Grace Force, the training arm of it, we are... <laughs> We are putting on a free webinar, and we want you to go on out, click the link in the description to get involved in the free webinar that Battery Coalition is putting out about being better prepared, body, mind, and soul, especially in the times that we are living in. There's a lot happening right now. We all know that. We want to be better prepared, not just for ourselves, but for our loved ones, the ones that God has entrusted to our care. And on that note, I also want to say here, that Susan Tassoni is going to help us understand how important it is to pray for our loved ones, the poor suffering souls in purgatory. Uh, did, I, did, I, did I open that up right, Susan? Is that a good way to put it? We want to pray for our loved ones in... Dr. Barry, you got an A. Dr. Barry. She's calling me Dr. Barry, so I guess <laughs> I guess I have a PhD in something. As long as you call me Monsignor then. <laughs> Father's identifying as a Monsignor. I'm identifying I'm as a doctor. self-identifying. All right. Well, if I'm identified as a doctor, you can, got... call, you can call me PL, <laughs> purgatory lady. Hey, purgatory, purgatory lady. lady. All right. Well, if I'm going to identify as a doctor, I don't know what kind of doctor. I'd like to say a few things about this this medical procedure. No, I'm not going to get into that right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Five burning truths of purgatory. Uh, where, just give us a, a brief overlay, um, Susan. Is where you come from that this is a topic? I mean, your background. And that you get to this point. I mean, just kind of give us a little summary. Yeah, what okay. makes you the purgatory lady? Yeah, yeah how did it, well, you know that I'll tell you that title. I, you know, I don't go around coming up with titles for myself. I was in the corporate world. Um, well, and I'll, that's where I, I was actually a high school teacher. I got a, a master's in theology, and I taught high school for a couple of years. And then I decided the nuns were putting too many messages in my mailbox to become a Benedictine, and I didn't think. I like Chanel lipstick too much and it just wasn't going to work. <laughs> so I, so I left and uh, I, I went into advertising when I, what I'm saying, you know, what is interesting is that God has this plan. One thing leads to another. And, and if you just stay in your lane and do his will, you'll, you'll be happy and you'll be satisfied with his plan because he knows what's going to make you happy. But anyway, I ended up in advertising, which was actually training me for what I would do in the future. But, um, and it was a number one ad agency, but I got tired of looking at Gerber baby ads and, you know, a, a crate of peas that they would buy just to do an ad and throw out the peas just for one little pea pod. And it just, just didn't sit right with me. So I, you know, as always, even then, when I was in my twenties, I prayed the 54 day rosary novena, asking nice. our lady where to go. And I've, I've been saying that, that rosary novena since I was 18 that's just my, that is my base of everything is that rosary, that weapon. And um, I ended up in a nonprofit agency that 
that um, funded over 200 agencies. And then I, that's where I, you know, where I blossomed. I didn't know I had a fundraising um, skill in me, but I got to work with all the top CEOs and chairmen and opera singers, baseball players in Chicago. And I was there for a good 20 years. Um, and it just was extraordinarily fulfilling. And it, it, I, I just learned how CEOs think and operate. And, and you just incorporate that into, and, and again, it was again, training me for what was coming because I didn't know that I would be able to leave at 46. And I had, um, I had gone, now I know this isn't approved and I don't know if you, you want me to say this, but I have to say it. I, um, I went on a, a pilgrimage and, um, and it's partially approved the pilgrimage in Magigoria. I, I went there because I was curious about Our Lady. My mother planted in our hearts the seeds of, of tradition, holy reminders around the house, the pilgrim virgin, and of course the rosary. And we all had a dedication to the Our Lady. And so I went just because of that. You know, when, when the, the girlfriend's in town, you go, you go check her out, see what she's, you know, what she's up to. And so I did go there and I did see the sunspin. I did see... Um, you know, a special miracles. And I was actually, I, I was hit by a cab and this is in my praying with the saints book, this story that was, cause people want to know how it got started. I was hit by a cab back in 1983 and I almost got killed. Um, and, um, I had a leg injury that was permanent damage. I was lucky I had two legs and right in that, in the heart of the loop. And, and so I got permission to go because of the devotion that our mother, put in our hearts and I came back in this visible damage that I had for 12 years where the doctors have been take were taking care of me you know making sure there was no um uh, blood clots it was gone when wow. I came back and I didn't go for a cure I didn't ask for a cure I I was so shocked because it was visible Doug and father you can see this big lump on my leg that was um he said the injury was worse than a broken leg because I damaged the veins and there was edema and I, he wouldn't let me fly. The doctor would not let me fly. Now, why he wanted me to go to Medjugorje, he wasn't even Catholic. That must have been God. He was a very holy, devout doctor. Um, and I came back with this cured leg. Um, and, and, of course, the doctor wanted to see me and he was stunned by that. And I said, well, you know, coming from a corporate world, I said, can you put this in writing? And he said, let's wait. And he waited three years before he would confirm that there was a, a healing. Wow. And so I, I, I got the letter after three years later. And he let, he, I said, can I travel? And I took a beeline for all the shrines. I went to Fatima. I went to Lourdes. I went to, you know, Guadalupe. I, I, that's, I went to all the shrines of Italy. That's what I wanted to do, you know, since I was in my teens. Um, and then I, you know, I went back to Medjugorje with the letter. And it's when I came back that somebody gave me this booklet on purgatory. Now I could have left that other part out, um, but that's where it came from. Um, mm. And I was just fascinated by, uh, it, somebody just handed me this little booklet. I was still in the corporate world and I was reading the stories about how they become your intercessors and, you know, they're, they help you 10,000 10, times over. And, and I'm reading this and I'm thinking, that's not too bad. I can use all the friends I can get. Being in the corporate world was very, you know, working with CEOs and chairmen, it's very high pressured. Um, and I just, and they needed the masses. That's what they needed. And I thought, well, I can do that. Um, and now I wouldn't recommend this to anybody, of course, now, you know, with, with the times we live in, but I went back to the office and I asked people, I think I was the only Catholic in the, in the office, did they want to have a mass offered for their loved ones? <laughs> well, I, I mean, that was not the smartest thing to do in my position. I, I just, maybe it was just the, the fire. And, 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 but what was interesting is that these people who weren't Catholic gave me money to have masses for the loved ones. They didn't understand the mass, but that tells you how much, how they wanted to connect with God. They wanted to hang their head on something. And so I ended up, you know, with over $700. And I, and it was exactly around this time that I, I ran over to the local parish pastor and I said, here, here's $700 that mass is offered. And he said, I can't do it. And the first thing that came to my mind, I thought, well, I'm not going to jail for this. I have uh -huh. to unload this money and you got to find a way. And he said, well, I just happened to get a letter from Cardinal George saying that 
you know, every diocese has a missions office and the missions office here had no mass stipends to send to our Catholic missionaries. And he was wow. telling the priest, you know, find a way, collect money. And I walk in with this money and he says, but I can't offer them because I'm the only priest, which points to the fact that we have to pray for vocations. And then he pointed me to the missions office. And so I went over there and I, I was anxious because it was Thanksgiving and I, and I was carrying this money around. And I met up with the director of the missions office, a wonderful nun. And I said, here, here's this money, take it. This is what I was doing. She stared at me. And I thought, now what? You know, it reminded me of being in grammar school when they, you know, you know, when you're like, well, you know, what's wrong with me? Do I, am, I, am I the bluebird or am I the, you know, everybody got a specific name. You're thinking, well, what category am I in that you look at me this way? Well, she was actually shocked because Cardinal George said to her, because he was the chairman of the board of the missions, he said, you've got to find a way to raise more money for our Catholic missionaries because we have nothing. Priests and bishops come from all over the world to this office and all offices around the country and ask for stipends. And, and I walk in with the money and, and she was stunned. And, I, and then I said, rolling my eyes, I said, do you need any help? And I'm like, I just don't need this. But, but she says, well, you know, you can, you know, you can share the story about the missions. And um, the purgatory was already there. The missions, it seemed like a perfect match. You can offer masses for the souls in purgatory through the missions because with my experience with the priest, the mass intention books are full and, you know, they can't, they can't do them. So they send, you know, the stipends out to our missionaries around the world. And I, and I ended up working for Cardinal George as his development director for six years, meeting these bishops that come in so poor, they offer mass in coconut jars. They offer mass in, in you know, in, in just glass jars or even coconuts, the hollow of a coconut, because they don't have the, the, the funds to buy chalices uh, to put the precious blood in. And she, in their this is what she's telling me. And then I got to experience this all. They had no vestments. And so it was probably the most incredible six years of my life um, to help raise mass stipends, you know, to help put, you know, uh, a chalice on the altar, to put the precious, you know, blood or the, the wine, you know, consecrated, you know, into the precious blood for, for the priest to get chalices that wouldn't melt in Africa and give them vestments because the priests of the bishops didn't even have chalices to give their brand new priests. They didn't even have vestments. I mean, it, it, I would be in tears. And then, so I developed all these programs, a chalice program, a vestment program, mass stipends, and, um, and always connecting the souls in purgatory because that's really, you know, what they needed was the, 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 the masses. They, and that's who needed them the most was, was our, our mission priest. And so it just grew and grew and grew. And, and Cardinal George, uh, you know, happened to, the books came on purgatory and he, he was so gracious. He did all the, the, um, the forwards to the books up until on his deathbed, he was dying and I was finishing a book and he wanted to finish the forward. So um, it was just an incredible experience. And then I got to learn, guess who I got to meet? I knew um, Bishop Sarah, you know, Cardinal Sarah. Oh, yeah. When he was a baby bishop in New Guinea, we would get letters from him, you know, asking for mass stipends. And so I knew him. And then when, when I, you know, down the road, I, more books were born and, and he had endorsed a couple of my books and Bishop Lestecki and Bishop Conley and Bishop Baker. And it, it just was just all that's from awesome. God. Off, off from God. So that's how it got started. I hope I didn't get too long-winded here. But No, that was a, an incredible story. Thank you so much, Susan. Yeah. Um, I got to know you because um, Eddie Cotter, and he's oh, the, yes, the head the of the Death Theologian Society. Yeah, Death Theologian Society. Uh, he got connected with you somehow, and he said, Father, we need to have her over at the parish. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. And you came, and it was awesome. It was and awesome. I was just hung on every every word you were saying and got so enamored uh, by your teaching on purgatory, which we want to get into tonight too. But um, but I got so enamored that I started digging more deeply into the whole idea of praying 
with the saints for the holy souls in purgatory, which is actually, is that the name, that's the subtitle or the name of your book? No, that's, that's the, the name, name of, um, that's the name of the, name of the book. Yeah. Father. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it had just came out before you came to us. I think you, that came out in 2010 and anyways, uh, nine or 10, but, uh, amazing You're right, book. 2009. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so uh, amazing book. And uh, like I said, I just got into it and, and I, I became, um, just a purgatory buster. Yeah, I, I became uh, just convinced that this is the way we need, need to go is to pray for with the saints for the holy souls in purgatory. And so I uh, there's a there's a book I wrote right there. Uh, people can see it's Church Militant Field Manual, Special Forces Training for the Life in Christ. But I have a full teaching in there uh, based on everything that you taught me. Uh, and I call that building your holy alliance. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, and, yeah and, and the idea, and, and you teach this, is that when you engage a saint to pray for a holy soul in purgatory, you pick up those in, in basically in your alliance. The saint be, you, uh, becomes part of, of your prayer warrior as well as the holy soul. And now you're a force of three. And then the next day, oh, wow, yeah. the next day you do a saint and holy soul, now you're a force of five. You've added two more and so on and so forth. So I have thousands in my personal <laughs> holy alliance uh, because I've been building this up now for years and I'm teaching other people to do it. But Susan, if we can, let, let's get into a little, uh, it, you know, who are the holy souls? What, you know, what do we mean by that? What is, is these are they're the holy souls in purgatory. You know, can you give us a little uh, uh, quick cl class uh, lesson on what, yeah. what do you mean by that? Yeah, you know, we think it's that, you know, first of all, they're part of the mystical body. So we've got the church uh, militant. That's right. our lot. You know, then we have the uh, the church um, triumphant. Those are the saints. And then we have the souls in purgatory, which are called the church suffering. Um, and so, you know, as believers, we see the church as the family of God. And who's part of our family? Those that have shared our joys, our sorrows, our, our mothers, our fathers. Yes, yes, yes. Our grandparents, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, uncles, um, godparents, friends, teachers, neighbors, religious benefactors, all those that have been entwined in the fabric of our lives will in death be a part of us through our prayers and suffrages. And that's who they are. They're not a third party, something out there. They're people that, real people, they're the doctors, the lawyers that have been involved in your life. Every single person, that's who they are. Yeah. So how did they get to purgatory? They got to purgatory because they um, they they were they didn't they they were in this uh, state of grace. See, that's that's what you want to be at the hour of your death. You don't want to be in the state of Wisconsin or or the <laughs> state of Illinois, but in the state of grace. Right. So, so they were in the state of grace, and um, and which let me interject real quick. That's oh, why I father, you're the that's expert. why I built a twenty four seven confessional. So, oh, I so love that it. People I can people can COVID get in a state COVID of grace. Ready. Yep. People can get in the state of grace at any time of any day. So uh, it's, it, it, it's just the front foyer of my rectory with a screen put in my office door. And I, a kneeler Father, that I put in front of the so door. ahead of your time. You but you helped, you helped me. You motivated me, you know, because oh, wow. we want to be in the state of grace. You can't pass, but keep going. I just wanted to. I just well, wanted to and see that, you know, and, and Dr. Barry, Dr. Doug, you <laughs> mentioned something to be prepared, be prepared. Let me tell you. You know, we were without confession. I don't know, you know, you're in Wisconsin, Doug. I'm not sure where you're, where you're coming, where you're calling in from. Where... I'm, in, I'm in Texas. Oh, yeah, I'm in, in Wisconsin. Texas. Okay. Yeah. okay, all right. Then I, you know, uh, I don't know what the, what the rules were there, but here there was no confession for, you know, from the lockdown March 19th here in Chicago all the way until June. That was 88 days without You know, confession. We, had a, we had somewhat of a restrictions here. But so everybody was coming to my 24-7 confessional. I, 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 you were so I, could, I couldn't even go to the bathroom because <laughs> uh, they were coming in, so fast. That's you know, so. It was just incredible what you were doing. Yeah. Well, so so we were without confession. And what I, you know, during that time, unfortunately, I had family members that were, that caught COVID, cousins that caught COVID. And we had an aunt that was perfectly healthy and decided to go from Chicago to Iowa. And, um... And, and well, she got exposed, and within you know weeks, um, you know she uh, she was dying. And so they call me from Iowa, the cousins, because as you know, all our families are not 
all lined up going to mass, saying the rosary, going to the sacraments. They're just not. And, you know, there's always a, you know, some, a torch bearer in the family that is, is trying to pray for them, fast for them. That's what I do. Um, and, you know, gentle reminders. Well, they know who to call. I feel like this is the checkout, purgatory checkout here. But anyway, they called me and said, you know, aunt is, aunt babe is, is dying. Can you get a priest? Because they didn't know how. So I called, I, I just went online and it was rural on Bloomfield. I think it is Iowa. And I just picked any church. I, I was just desperate to get a priest. And so I, I, you know, the priest answers and hello, I'm thinking, where am I calling? You know, and he, it turned out he was the only priest. He had, he, it was a country, you know, a country, um, uh, church with a couple other, you know, parishes all connected. And it was just him. And I said, look, my aunt is here. Can you get someone? And he said, well, I have to call the, um, the, um, the, the main office. And I'm thinking, oh, if it's the main office as big as our office in Chicago, I saw, I see red tape. And he said, and then I have to get the approval from the bishop to appoint a COVID priest that's trained. And I just rolled my eyes. I thought, this is, this is not going to happen. I, he says, so I can't guarantee it. And I said, okay, Father, I'm going to go to Mass and just keep me posted. And I just gave up. I, I just said the chaplet for her on the way to church. And I did the best I could. And I came back. On my way back, he called me. And he said, we found a priest. I, I was just shocked. And that priest drove three hours to get to my aunt. He gave her the, all the sacraments. And she died that evening. And the, wow. the lesson, yeah, the lesson is, and Doug, you said, be prepared. She yeah. was not prepared. She was not. We were very mm. fortunate. You're, you know, you can't just wait until the last minute. You know, what's divine mercy? What's the whole message of divine mercy? It's confession. Go right. to confession. Stay in the state of grace. The Church and the Catechism recommends monthly confession. Um, so, yes. so be prepared, always be prepared because you don't know when you, right. you, so that's, that's what I, that was the lesson. And it taught me the lesson, you know, um, to, you know, well, I go, I go twice a month actually, but, but to try and encourage your family members, because you can't predict what could happen. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, go ahead. You know, I actually went a few hours ago. See, <laughs> You are glowing exceptionally. Uh, Thank you. Uh, an exceptional Thank amount you. tonight, Father. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the things that I've, I've, I've tried to say, you know, several times in, in presentations and talks is if, if you, if you love others, you love your loved ones, your family, friends, so forth, and you want to give them um, a gift, live a life that says to them, when you die, you were pointing the right direction that you were making <laughs> effort the right direction because I, I i imagine when you said that these people gave you all this money susan i imagine this is their way of saying you know i've got a loved one they passed away i don't know exactly for sure just where they might be you know what's the whole situation we don't think about this a lot of times while we're alive we take it for granted we think we got a lot of time whatever fill in the blank and then when death comes there's that but what if what if they're not where I, so I would say, if you love someone, you know, if I want to give my wife and my kids any kind of comfort or solace after I've died, you know, let's, let's, I want to choose to live in such a way where they saw me praying the rosary. They saw me going to mass faithfully. They saw me going to confession regularly. They saw me having devotion to saints, angels, hanging out with a great friend and priest like father Richard Heilman himself. Amazing. <laughs> you know, this and is the this... doctor, famous Dr. Barry. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. 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 So Ma Ma Monsignor Heilman. Thank you. Monsignor Heilman. <laughs> yeah, forgive yeah. me. Yes. Monsignor. I self-identify as a Monsignor. That's it. That's it. <laughs> But I just think that, I mean, you talk about purgatory in general, Susan, and, and I, if you could break down for us in a very, very kind of clear and succinctly, what do souls in purgatory go through? What do we know? And, and it's been revealed, I know, from the church's teaching, but we also have this museum <laughs> over in the Vatican. Oh, with some I've been there amazing many, pieces. many times, Doug. Many yeah, times but, but what yeah. is it? What is purgatory? Is it a waiting it, station? It, is it, it a bus stop? Is it, am I waiting for my next plane flight, a connection? That's all airport? good. That's all good. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very good. Those are good examples, actually. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what it's not. It's not the inferno we may have imagined as a child when souls are surrounded by flames of fire. Their suffering is one of longing right. um, from their separation mm. with God. They yep. lost the sight of God. 
they see him and know him, but they're not fully united with him. So no sooner has the soul departed the life, it, you know, it, it, it beholds God. And then from this quote sight, the soul receives um, like immediately the, a vivid knowledge of God and his, his infinite perfections and his, his lovableness. And, and, and the soul is, is not capable of being occupied with anything other than God. You know, you Susan, know I, it, I need to interrupt just br just sure. briefly here. You sure. des you describe what some of our 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 U.S. Grace Force podcast audience feels like when they're waiting for the next podcast to come out every week. I know, yeah. There's <laughs> this longing that yeah, is this very good analogy. Very good analogy. <laughs> totally drawn toward Doctor Barry and Monsignor. I could understand that's that. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So, so that's the soul. The soul you sees God in. And, 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 you know, it, it's drawn to God like a magnet to metal. Um, and, and they have, and, and, and once they see God and then they see themselves before God, they, they realize that they're not ready, you know, mm. and it's not God saying it, it's you saying, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for the wedding. I'm not, I'm not dressed up. I, my brothers were plumbers and they didn't come to the wet to, to, you know, to our, our family events looking like plumbers at the end of the day, all dirty and they would just sit from head to foot, head to toe, but they know the soul knows. And so, so they choose, they hurl themselves into purgatory. They choose purgatory. They willingly go to purgatory. There is no rebellion in purgatory. So once that happens, that soul has this insatiable hunger and thirst for God. And it, and it feels this, it feels an indescribable love for God. And it quote burns for this love. So they burn with a spiritual fever. It's a it's a yearning that surpasses the you know the the heat of any earthly fire. So we we really speak of the fire of purgatory and of these cleansings, cleansing, not punishment, these flames of love which which reaches out to purify our souls. Um mm. I, I think I, I like um well, that's too long, but Benedict talks about purgatory and he basically says the same thing. So so that's it in a nutshell. They so how, how are how are we related? So they can pray for us, right? And we Absolutely. we we, we pray it. for them and offer, yes. and we can get into indulgences too, and how that all works. Yeah, but, absolutely. But we, um, that, you know, I talked about building point. that holy alliance, but it's really engaging the relationship. We 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 move from a you know a distant uh, <laughs> casual relationship to a intimate relationship because we're taking care of each other, right? Right, Susan. Absolutely. That's one thing that people, I in the, remember I told you there are things I hear, you know, people, they, they get it, they get this part wrong. They, they, they say, well, you know, we can, you know, they can pray for us when they go to heaven. That's incorrect. They can pray for us while they're in purgatory. They can intercede for us while they're in purgatory. They can inspire us while they're in purgatory. And then, then when they go to heaven, they, they continue on and they pray before the throne of God unceasingly for you all the days of your lives until you're safely home in heaven. They become your nearest, your dearest, your sincerest friends for, for all eternity. And by you releasing them, by your masses and your rosaries and your adoration and your stations at the cross and your indulgences, you give them, I can't even describe, you're giving them the beatific vision, you're giving them God, you're giving them paradise, mm -hmm. and their gratitude um, is a proportion of their joy, which is infinite. There's a great uh, meme out there, I've seen several times on the internet, where there's just this crowd of people so filled with joy and running toward a person, and, and the, I think the meme says, who are they? Well, those are the souls that you prayed for in purgatory. Absolutely. You know, when enter, yeah, the, the, and they're so grateful. And, and so that's what I mean is that you engage that relationship. It becomes intimate. You become each other's like battle buddy. You got each other's back. Oh, and, each and other's let me sticks. tell you that they are extraordinarily powerful. And in fact, this is in the catechism number 958. The more you pray for them, the more powerful their intercession is for you. Right. You just keep, you know. You know, I, you know, I offer all my masses for them every, all, every day, seven days a week. Um, and I just say to them, you take care of me and my family and I'll take care of you. And, and I, and they are there. I, I, they're very swift. And I, those are the people you want in your corner. Uh, I can't stress enough 
how powerful their intercession is. And is, you know, and the more you do that, the more you intercede, you know, and you pray for them, you increase their intercessory power for you. Now, and and they're, they're, the time in purgatory for a soul in purgatory is to atone for, uh, they have to be, in, we have to be in the state of grace to get to purgatory. So we can't, right. yes. soul, but we have, it's to atone for the damage of sin or to atone for venial sin. Exactly. That's you nailed it. it. You nailed it. It's the, it's the damage. Mm-hmm. See, once, you know, you go to confession, the guilt is removed, but the stain is there. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you remove the stain? You know, by corporal and spiritual works of mercy, by indulgences, you have to you have to remove the stain that was the result of the the of the of the sin. You know, it's a typical example of a, a young little boy that you know um, was told not to play baseball across the street by the neighbors, and he did. And he, what happens? That he crashes the window, and um, and so you know the the neighbor accepts his apology. But the damage is still there. So he has to pay for the damage. And that's what we're doing in purgatory. We're being purified and cleansed of our selfishness, of our disobedience, of, of, of our attitudes. Um, that's what's going on in purgatory. What does the Blessed Mother have to do? Does she play a particular role um, with the poor souls in purgatory? She is she is the mama, let me tell you. You know, she's called the... Um, She's called the queen of purgatory, actually. Mm. And, um, and, and, you know, she's got something special. And I'll, I'm going to say this, too. That's really powerful. You know, she promises that um, if you do the five first Saturdays, mm. you know, the devotion for the five first Saturdays, that, you, you know, you will get the grace of a perseverance and the, and the grace of a, a, you know, of a happy death, which is to be to die in the state of grace. And she, um, she also says that she will take you from purgatory the first Saturday, um, meaning the, you know, not the first Saturday of the month, but the first Saturday after your death. So that's wow. one thing. So take advantage of those five first Saturdays because that, uh, of, I like my good buddy, Father Apostoli, God rest his soul. He, he wrote a fantastic book called Fatima Today and, 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 you know, the power behind the first Saturdays and what it does. And he said, to do the first Saturdays, but to don't stop, to continue to do the first, the five, don't stop every, just because he said it'll speed up the era of peace. But, but back to our lady, um, you know, except for the mass, there's really no prayer so powerful for the release of the souls from purgatory as the rosary. You know, our lady gave, uh, or she told Dominic that the release of the souls of purgatory is one of the chief effects of the rosary. Why? Because of the indulgences that are attached to the rosary. So that's one thing. She also offers our prayers to God, our rosaries. But what she does is, you know, she embellishes them. You know, like when a, a little little kid brings, um, you know, uh, daisies in, you know, to to his mother, and they're all kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, not they, they don't look the healthiest, and he's all excited. We she takes those flowers and she and embellishes them and makes them look beautiful, and that's what our our lady does. She supplies what is lacking so she's really busy doug and monsignor you know covering our weakness before god and she told bridget she said i'm the mother of the souls in purgatory um and so uh she does uh from what i've read she you know she visits purgatory every day with saint michael and they they again from what i read and these are coming from the saints and these these rare books that that the souls um are um, at peace. They're not suffering when she is uh, visiting them. Um, and there's a beautiful legend um, that uh, when our Lord was bleeding on the cross and, and the angel asked him um, that to whom that his, the last drop of blood should belong. And he said, to my mother, so she could endure more easily her sorrow. And it was, it was said that our lady said, no, no, my son. She said, she said, give it to the souls in purgatory. So they're free from pain on at least one day of the year. Um, and then also we have the scapular, you know, um, which we consecrate ourselves to our lady. And, um, you know, if you're devoted to our lady, um, you're never going to lose your soul. And um, she will make sure that you have a, you know, a swift passage to heaven in a mm. short-term purgatory if you have to go there. 
The, the one thing I, I uh, really want our, our uh, viewers to, to understand is the whole idea of indulgences. Oh, yeah. Uh, what, right. what a great gift the church gives us with those. And there's such a thing as a, uh, a partial or, or a plenary <laughs> indulgence. Right. Uh, and, and you were talking about what's called the effects of the sins. Uh, and, and that's really what we're, um, we're, we're in purgatory to, to, to kind of take care of the, we, we've, we've confessed the sin, but there's still the effects from the sin. Right. Uh, this, this beautiful gift the church has given us is an opportunity to uh, take care of or heal the effects of sin. And, uh, and so, so there's, a, and you've been mentioning a lot of ways the church has offered to receive yeah. these indulgences, partial or or plenary. Yes, either the mass, the rosary, yeah. the stations, adoration, and you know what's coming up is November first to the eighth, where uh, a plenary indulgence you you can offer uh, to a soul or souls at a cemetery, right? Pro provided that you you know that you meet the conditions, which is that you've been to confession, you went to mass and received communion, and then go to the cemetery saying, Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be, um, uh, for the intentions of the Pope. And then you can, you know, decide, do you want to give that indulgence to a particular soul or to all souls in purgatory? So November 1st and the 8th are very special, powerful days. The rest of the year, when you, when you go to the cemetery, you gain only a partial indulgence. But on those eight days, you have this, this indulgence. And you know, and it, indulgences are really, you know, I think that when I've been working on this for so many years, that was one of the most difficult things for me to try to really understand so I could explain it to people. And basically, God is lavishing his mercy on us. We have a treasury house of indulgences that we can gain for our souls and for the souls of our beloved dead. In fact, the big one for us is Divine Mercy Sunday, where even the effects of sin the, you know, the stain, the temporal punishment is removed on Divine Mercy Sunday. So take advantage of that. Right. Your soul is the way it was on the day you were baptized. But, right. but why do we have indulgences? Their purpose is to make up for penances omitted or poorly done or too light in comparison with the, the enormity of the sin. I, I love the way Archbishop Sheen explained it. He said, it's like a nail on a board. Once you remove the nail, which is the sin, with confession, the hole, which is the punishment, remains to be filled. So how is that hole to be filled? By penance and reparation. So indulgences fill that hole on earth by fulfilling a person's need to atone, to, to atone for the harm they've done or caused to themselves or to others. And these indulgences arise out of the mercy of Jesus. You know, that's, we can satisfy our debts with indulgences. They're an aid for growth towards spiritual perfection, interchange, deeper conversion. They're not a discount for performing outward acts. So the appropriate, uh, your, your inner disposition is really required to benefit from indulgences. Yeah, uh, the thing I find interesting too is that um, you can offer indulgences for a soul in purgatory you can also gain an indulgence for yourself, yes. But you can't offer one for another living person. Which exactly, is Father. That's yeah. exactly right. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm just going to uh, add a little clarity to what we've been talking about here. The the requirements for gaining a uh, plenary indulgence is, as you said, you have to be in a state of grace at the time. Uh, you have to receive confession it used to be eight days now they've uh, loosened it to 20 days to 20 days that's yeah, right before or after um your offering so that's actually a 40-day period if you think about it. but um and then you receive the uh eucharist that day okay you and then uh right. you pray the pope's intentions right and you can actually right. say uh i'm praying for the pope's intentions and then followed by an our father and a hail mary and uh -huh. then, uh, then there's uh, you, you want to do the uh, the act of gaining a plenary indulgence uh, free from even venial sin at the time, mm -hmm. and so uh, you can actually do uh, you know you, you, it just means you have real resolve to to uh, to want to do it uh, as as um, as pure as possible. That but that happens too when you have confession. So that's that's the way um, a person can 
gain an indulgence on any given day. I think uh, I've read too, correct me if I'm wrong, Susan, but if there's an imperfection of any one of those things, you can still probably gain a partial, but not a full plenary indulgence. Correct. It would be, it would be a partial. Yes, that's correct. right. That's why too, that I always want to tell people, if you've offered a plenary indulgence, <laughs> which is basically a get out of jail free card for someone in purgatory, don't assume that that's done because you may not know that you did it imperfectly. And so you want to just keep trying. I don't know if right. that makes sense too. You're making sense, Father. Yeah. yeah. The only time that it's got that is completely removed, you know, whether it's imperfect or not, is on Divine Mercy Sunday. That's wow. when all temporal punishment is removed. Wow. If you go to Mass, go to confession through Lent, and they, as you said, they expanded the confession anytime during Lent, receive communion on that Sunday, everything is removed. You know, as you know, John Paul died on the eve of divine mercy sunday oh yes so, he did so, that's right yeah so we yep. can do this repair work here on earth you know or in purgatory but but go to confession regularly gain as many indulgences because they're they they you know it's the, it's a healing of the effects of your sins and in fact yeah. i think the alphonsus Ligori, he was he was really um all about gaining indulgences um in fact he had um, after his death, they they found a lot of indulgence articles were found on him. He always carried sacramentals and prayers where he would, yep. you know, he went in order to gain as many indulgences as, as possible. Yep. You know, we have a lot of debts and, you know, a lot of souls await our charity. So, you know, um, as, as, as I, I say, get greedy for indulgences. They've been, you know, given a bad rap. Yeah, I, I actually uh, developed a book where it's it's like a journal where you can write in uh, each one that you've received each day. But uh, Doug, uh, indulge me just a second more, because I want to make sure we <laughs> finish this particular indulgence segment. But uh, there's uh, four particular ways that I call the big four, because uh, there are four ways you can gain an indulgence. You don't, In other words, you don't have to wait for a, a feast day or something to do it. And uh, I just want to say what those are. And these are all teachings that you've given me uh, over the years, Susan. But uh, the first one is uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament for at least a half hour. Right. Uh, oh, that's absolutely. One. Yeah. Yep. And then the other is uh, devoutly uh, reading sacred scripture for at least a half hour. Yes. And that's, yes, that's yes, probably correct. the most accessible one because you can do that in your home. You don't have to go to church to adore the Blessed Sacrament, right? And then uh, the, the next one is to do the uh, Stations of the Cross. But you have to do those before approved stations. So... It can't be like your homemade stations in your backyard. Uh, it oh, has to be okay. ones that are That's that are actually know. approved at a, ch a church or you know wherever wherever they are. And then the finally uh, the recitation of the rosary with members of the family or a or a church uh, uh, oratory or uh, community um, or a pious association. But the idea is that you want to do it with more than yourself in order to gain the plenary indulgence. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, so so the rosary mm -hmm. for plenary needs more than you to be doing it. If you do it with other people, especially your family, that's how you gain the plenary. Is that am I right or wrong about that? I, I've never heard that you had to be in a group to gain yeah. the plenary indulgence. Yeah. That was for, with the rosary. That I've never was that in the book of in, of indulgences. Yeah, I think it was. Okay. Yeah, that's something new to me. Okay. Okay. So it's the rosary, it's the mass, it's the stations, it's adoration. Yep. I call them the pillars that, oh, that, nice. help, that help you and, re, and, and directly impact the, the souls by either relieving them of their pain or releasing them. Those oh, oh the I, I want to qualify that um, I was reading this wrong. Uh, if you're not in a church or an oratory, um, then... You need to do it with uh, more with with uh, members of your family with more than one person. Oh, there so, you go. Because yeah, but, yeah, but I, you can by yourself in a church. Oh, good, because that's yeah, yeah. where I do I do my rosaries right after yeah, mass yeah. before the blessed mm -hmm. sacrament. I, I was yeah. assuming. I was but to dating. qualify for the plenary, it has to be done in in the church. Okay. But, uh, or or at home with the family, you know. Uh, but very not, okay. Not by yourself at home. All right? That's okay. That's good. That's yeah. very good. Susan, can um, you? Can, uh, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to ask uh, I have two questions. One, if you could address first this prayer, the famous prayer of St. Gertrude. 
that she was given oh, released okay. a thousand souls when prayed. Yeah. Okay. Um, can you talk just briefly about that? And then I, I've got a good follow-up question um, that kind of gets at the heart of everything that we're talking about here, but I'm going to save that until I get the answer from this. No, I'm just curious. I, I mean, I just so I know for time, are we, is this a, are we going, how's our time? We got we, about uh, 10 or 15 more minutes to go. Oh, oh, good. Okay. So the Saint, um, the Saint Gertrude prayer, that is, that's been, a contention with the question I get again, I've gotten over the years, you know, do, do, you know, do, are there really a thousand souls that are released by saying this prayer? Well, that's not a thousand actually um, is, is biblical. It's, it's symbolic for infinite, you know, are a thousand souls really released. Well, theologians tell us, we're not certain of the exact number. However, the number a thousand is is symbolic for infinite. So we do know that our Lord points to the efficacy of our prayers offered up for the souls. A thousand souls released means more than we can count and more than we dare to ask. Um, there was a, a time when Gertrude asked our Lord how many souls his mercy would release from purgatory. And she, she asked him that. And he said that his love desires to release all souls from purgatory. And so he can encourage her to pray with assurance that to ask more than she dare for their release. So in other words, our Lord is telling us to pray with zeal and fervor, to ask big and be bold. So yeah, uh, you, you, where I'm at with that Gertrude prayer, because uh, we actually pray it uh, at the, uh, the Dead Theologians Society, and I think it's beautiful, and I'm open to the possibility that uh, of what, it, uh, but I've never been able to confirm it. And uh, I'm, I'm a little suspicious because, you know, we just got done going, okay, these are the ways in which you have to, you know, go to confession and mass and pray for the Pope's intentions. Well, someone over here could go, well, you do all that, but I just got this cool Gertrude prayer and I could just do this. You know, so yeah. I, he it, thinks we not... have me doubts, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 we would basically throw out everything the church teaches on gaining plenary and partial indulgences because I got this cool Gertrude prayer. So mm -hmm. that's yeah. why I'm, I'm doubting about it. So, yeah, it's not, it's not a thousand souls. It's, 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 he looks at the fervor of your prayer and um, I don't have it in front of me, but, you know, Father Dan, you know, from um, uh, the, the Marians, uh, we talked about this a lot. And he, if you go on prayerforsouls.com, he writes articles and he, he and another priest delved into this prayer um, you know, where did it come from? Where did it originate? We don't know, actually. Right. You know, we don't even know if, if even Gertrude prayed it. Um, right. So he, so they did a great, you know, they did some great research on it. But the thousand souls is really not a thousand. It's only pointing to to pray with zeal and fervor. That's what, right. and it and it's biblical, which means um, it's biblical and symbolic for infinite. You know, there's a a book that tells you what you know numbers in the Bible symbolically mean and and that's what a thousand means is is infinite well that that kind of leads to my next question susan is yes we're, you know to do everything that we're talking about here to strive for the indulgences to to pray the saint gertrude prayer with fervor and the key part there with fervor with intention right is that we have to care we have to really care about this whole situation this whole purgatory piece of of, of existence, that this is something that is real, that there are souls. Our souls may be there one day. Um, I know there are people who have the attitude. I've heard them. They've told this to me directly. Well, you know, if I get to purgatory, I'm okay with that because at least I know I'll get to heaven eventually, you know, as if they're okay with just aiming for purgatory rather than aiming for heaven. Uh, the quote from Vince Lombardi, I know, Father, you you yeah. like to quote about shooting for perfection and you'll at least get excellence. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But there's this attitude of purgatory that really seems to be like on the side, almost like a side dish. I know the church doesn't present it that way, but well, or teach it that way. But we, the people, I mean, I think, do we lack the fervor and the zeal? You're the purgatory lady. You know, I mean, this is your life. You know, you 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 bring this message to the world, but a lot of us, don't even think about the poor souls that are suffering right this moment in purgatory. And what do you then say to those out there who don't take purgatory that seriously, either for their own soul, because we need to get to before the program ends here, um, 
what do we do to avoid purgatory or to you know reduce our time there by the way we live now um i know we've addressed a little of that with indulgences and so forth but we need to live a life that says i don't want to aim for purgatory i want to aim for heaven right you know and i don't want to be the type that said oh, i'll be in purgatory until they shut the lights off and close the door at the end well that doesn't sound oh, good either <laughs> you know and when the blessed mother told i think the children in fatima when they asked about a couple of uh, some cousins that had died one girl who had died a teenager amelia so yeah, uh, that's it, Amelia. And he, and our lady said that she's in purgatory and she'll be there until the end of time, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. And you're thinking, okay, how old was she when she died? She was a teenager. She, and, and we're talking she, 1917 yeah. when this happened. I mean, I'm looking at the way we're living now in our world, and I'm thinking, wow, are, what do we? how do we look at this now? Why do we not take this so seriously? What do we do to take this more seriously? Because this is a big deal. I mean, I don't want to suffer in purgatory. I don't want to have that kind of suffering. I, I want to get to heaven. That's, to me, I'll just say this real quick, and then I'll let you answer. I know I've hit you with several different things here. Is I Look, I've got the Blessed Mother over my left shoulder. I know Father's got the Blessed Mother behind him. His statue has wept. Mine has not. He has a miraculous statue. I don't. That's pretty cool, but he is a Monsignor, so I suppose he gets it. Uh, I'm just a doctor. But... But I could say this, that I talk about the rosary all the time. I wear the scapular all the time. I, I, I encourage people to pray the rosary every day. I, I talk about the Marian apparitions, you know, um, throwing a little comment once in a while. But I talk about this because I'm hoping and praying that the day I die, if in fact Jesus looks at me and says, ah, you know, Doug, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm hoping the Blessed Mother will be right there over my left shoulder saying, um, son, he did encourage the rosary a lot. He did talk about the five first Saturday. He did talk about these things and he might say, oh, okay, mom. Okay. He's yours. You know, that's okay. I mean, I'm aiming for that actually in the way I live. So I just throw that out there because our lady does hear us and she does respond on the day we die. If we have taken seriously trying to prepare our souls for the day we die. But can you speak a little bit to these, this, this whole idea of, why don't we take this seriously enough that the purgatory is kind of thrown in there sometimes in our, in our Catholic conversation, but it really isn't something we think a lot about all the time. Right. We, really, we should be including it in every rosary in our prayer somehow for the poor souls in purgatory, for the holy souls. Can you talk about that a bit? Well, you know, I, I think I have to go back and say, you know, um, what's happened, what happened is really what I want to say is what happened because when I was growing up and, in, in the 40s and the 50s, they, the purgatory was always talked about. And you would always hear the nuns say, offered up for the poor souls. Uh, you would have, uh, you know, holy souls, uh, novenas. And Father, you probably can talk more about some of the devotions at, at the time. There, um, one of the, uh, I was on, on the radio with a priest and he said that a, a common devotion, I'll have to, I was really impressed by it, was during Lent was to say um, the, the, um, stations for the souls in purgatory in fact they um the eastern byzantine rite um doesn't celebrate all souls day they celebrate also saturdays during lent every saturday during lent is given over to the souls of purgatory so but but what's happened was is you know um in the decades after vatican after the second vatican council which was between 1962 and 65 the topic of purgatory was less frequently taught in religion classes and in seminaries or was it addressed in homilies because it was uh, it was deemed as pre-vatican II rather than church doctrine so um in 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 a similar way marian devotions were considered antiquated as well um throw out the rosary back in the 60s so as a result what we have is a generation of youth that knows nothing about purgatory mm. or faith or grace or sin or hell so you know so later as as teachers and parents um they 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 you know lack the understanding in in my time you know um in our day they lack the understanding to talk about purgatory with their own students or their children but but thankfully you know there's been a huge turnaround in recent years we've got Purgatory, the Forgotten Church is a, a film. This other film that came out, Purgatory. So, so, and it's one of the most often asked topics among the faithful. So, that's what I think is the root of it. Is you know we've lost a generation of, 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 of having understanding the doctrine of purgatory and 
and it being preached and in being discarded in seminaries. But there is a turnaround. Um, we've, you know, I uh, there's purgatory prayer groups. There's um, uh, there's a per what do they call them now, Father? There were pur purgatory sodalities. I forget. There was purgatory. Uh, they, some groups and well, there were groups in church. What's the name, Father? There was a name they had. Purgatory societies now are coming back. I know the Altar and Rosary Society was my yeah. my mom's group, so, and, she, and they so prayed the Rosary for the poor souls in purgatory. Yeah, it's it's just a matter of now re-educating Doug, and that's why right. I think we're we have you know we we we're breaking ground again. Um, in fact, no, I better not say it. I um, well, I I'm working on another book um, to address that. Um, but you know, we've got now you know, 10 books on purgatory, that the greatest writings. Um, um, so it's become pretty popular. I, I hope that answers part of your yeah, question. That, that's yeah. good. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And I kind of grew up in that era too. And they threw out, you know, anything that would remotely say that we're not going automatically to heaven. You know, we, right. of course, we're going straight to heaven. And, oh, and, yeah, and, and, and you, it became so watered down that you could live in mortal sin and you're still going to heaven because it, God it, is so loving. And, 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 yeah, so, yeah. so you, you nailed it too. I mean, they, we, they we look at our society, they lack the knowledge of, you know, of what faith is, what grace right. is, what sin is, what right. hell is. Right. You know, right. I was just down this, you know, I was just, you know, next door there was this, you know, you know, building that's got, I don't even want to tell you what they decorated it with. It was just so uncanny. And I, there was a couple taking pictures of this, God awful sight. Um, and I stopped him and I, and I, we were just chatting and I said, he, I said, you're taking, I said, it's, I said, it's evil. It's just, it's really evil. What, what they've done to the house. I'd hate to walk out of their house, what they put in front of it. And he, you know what he said to me? I just, I just, put, I just shook my head. Well, what's evil? What's evil? Right. Yeah, see, well, so, what is truth? Yeah. You know, yeah what is God, truth? you you just, God's so we've got to, we, you know, We've got to just plow away, Doug, and, mm -hmm. and you know, just do what you're doing and be an example, teaching them. Um, and we've got great things like these great films that really do wake people up. I, I did see the new film and Purgatory, the Forgotten Church are fantastic films to help people um, understand in a real um, a contemporary way what the cost of it is and, you know, why you don't want to go there. It, they're both really, really, really good. Hey, Susan, before before we run out of time here, and I, we can't miss this part. Tell us about the museum over in the Vatican. Oh yes, yes, there yes, you go. yes. Tell yes. us about that. I've been to the now. If you want it, you know, obviously we can't get there. But in my book, Day by Day for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, um, I have all the pictures and all the stories attached to the pictures. It's a museum that contains objects with with burnt fingerprints of of the souls begging the living for prayers, especially masses. Um, so there's about 25, as I call relics, that have fingerprints of, of people touching objects that are burnt. Now, um, the burn marks on the relics are not from a physical fire, but from, as I said before, the soul was touching something. They were not on fire, but it was the fire within. It was an interior burning. So you have all these things that they touched in each, each of these. And there's a story next to each item that they touched. But what was really interesting, Doug and Monsignor, every story, there were there were three recurring themes of every, there were 25 stories, but the same recurring themes was, one, they, um, they wanted to prove that purgatory existed. Two, the burning marks on the items pointing to the fire. There was some kind of burning, which was, as we talked about, a burning love for God so much that when you touch something, you know, it, 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 it has a, a burn mark. And, and, and the third was their urgent request for masses to be, to be celebrated for their release. And so in my book, I have the pictures of these relics and the stories attached to them and what, what, what they did. The famous one Mother Angelic talked about was, the, um, was a, a, a priest visited a nun who was in her workroom and, and she was sewing. And, 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 and she says, what do you want? And he said, um, I need masses. And she says, they're not going to believe that you're here. And he took his hand and he slammed it on her workbench. And he took his forefinger and made the sign of the cross. And it seared his hand and, and the fingerprint. And that piece of wood is in the museum to this day, locked up. Mm -hmm. You have to ask permission wow. to open it up. Again, what, what, what the three points, he needed masses. 
He wanted to prove that it existed. And there was a burning, um, you know, there was a burning fire that, that he experienced within, not, not the physical fire we know. But it's an, it's an, incredible, an incredible museum. It's just right down about a mile from St. Peter's on the left uh, mm -hmm. along the Tiber River. Now, and the, the time is different too. Is it not that like the length of time that you're in purgatory is not like our 24 seven clock, is it? Yeah, no, I, there is no time. Um, but the, you know, I mean, there, people sometimes will say, well, you know, it's a matter of days and weeks and months. And no, it's a different type of process. Then. Yeah. It's a different, it's just, I, it, I, it's a process. That's probably, probably the best. Yeah. Mm. And the, in the length, has to do with your sins, you know, mm. the, the, the severity of your sins. So, um, yeah, I, we, we, we don't know. In fact, there are some stories that said, you know, um, uh, the, uh, one priest promised another priest that he would have masses offered and then God allowed the soul to appear to him and say, where, where are you? He mm. says, well, you're only gone for three days. And he goes, three days, it feels like 10,000 years uh, okay. because of the pain. Yeah. It, you know, they, I mean, I think people have to understand the pain, they say the pain is worse than the, the pain of the loss of the sight of God, they said, is worse than any suffering or illness on earth. Mm. That it is indescribable that anything that, now it's so hard to believe, anything that we experience on earth is, is just like a nothing compared to what you, what you experience in purgatory because of the loss. It's indescribable, St. Catherine says. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, so what, what can we do real quick before we wrap up? And, and then, Father, forgive me if I'm being last comment here. What do we do to not end up there, to uh, shorten time there? I mean, we're alive, we're breathing. It. What, yeah, what, what steps it. can we take right now yes, to avoid, to avoid it? it? Easy. You know what? This, the, the number one way to avoid purgatory is to do the will of God in the present moment, period. Mm. That's how you go directly to heaven. Um, avoid mortal sins, venial sins. Um, mass, confession, scripture, everything we talked about, you know, the sacramental life gives you the grace. Also, I learned that uh, uh, from saints, I learned this, that the more you pray, the more you pray, the higher your level of purgatory will be. So it's the mass, the rosary, the sacramental confession, first Fridays, first Saturdays, doing the will of God. That's it. Yeah, you know, the way I, I, I boil it down, is uh, and I've been teaching a lot of this lately, but get in that relationship with God where I just want you to be proud of me, Abba Father. You know, when you're in that, so it's, it's like saying the will of God, but you can see the way I said it there is that I'm in relationship now. I love you. I adore you. You're amazing. And I want to do everything to please you. And it's not hard for me to do, do that because um, th that's just, of course, I want to I want to please you. So I, I just believe when you're in that kind of relationship versus the kind of relationship where you're treating your uh, faith like uh, going to work, you know, uh -huh. where you got a job yeah. description, right? And you're trying to, to fulfill the job description. Yes, mm -hmm. we want to do the sacraments, we want to do the rosary, but not because we're punching a clock, right? And, and I think that kind of um, distancing ourselves from God, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. when we're doing the good works, but doing yeah. them out of um, love, uh, 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 yeah, you, the love is the, is the difference. So, so may, maybe maybe the difference in uh, the time that we serve is the intensity or or the depth of our love for God, and maybe that needs to be shored up yeah, before and, we and get to heaven, right? Is so yes. So I I was I was thinking. Well, then the person might say, "Well, then how do I love God through your neighbor?" Mm. Yeah. Yep, That's when you show absolutely. love of God. When you love your yeah, neighbor, because you, you love do, me. When you obey the commandments, what? you love me. Yeah, but again, and, and that's why I say I, I try to find um, common ways to understand things, but right. uh, I just want you to be proud of me, Abba. So, you know, if I'm going to help my neighbor, I, hey, how do you like that, Abba Father? Wasn't that right. awesome? You know, it's yeah. like a, a, a child with his, with his dad. And, and, you know, he challenges you too. It's very yeah. hard to put up with people that of you or annoy you. You know, yeah. you know, um, um, uh, you know, in fact, I love what uh, Sister Lucia said, and this is in my book. She said, act deaf, dumb and blind, you know, yeah. because when, when you do that, she said, it's hard for us to do, but you're going to yeah. be able to hear the, the you're going to be here. You're, you're going to be able to hear the voice of God. 
when you do that. And most of the time, you know, I, I have great people in my life that are just uh, professionals. And when I have to go, my go-to team, and you know, the and they're really, really sharp lawyers and social workers and when, you know, things that when I have to, you know, help when I'm speaking and they, you know what, and then things, and then things happen. They're like, you know, so-and-so, how could they do such a, and you know what they said, the majority of the time, drop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what shocked me. Just let it go. Yeah. It's not worth the hill to fight exactly, on. Exactly. Most of the time, it's like, whatever, you know, yep. and in your, you know, and I mean, there are times when you have to do something, but the, I mean, the times that I've gone to them and said, this, and this person, and then, and can you believe this? And they just say, let it go. Yep. And these are professionals. These are people that are psychologists, social workers in, in my life. And, and, and I, you know, and they'll say, nope, that's wrong. But for the most part, it was let it go. Nice. Well, speaking of let it go. Let's let it go, <laughs> I think, guys. I think, we're, I think we're at the end of our time together. This has been incredible, Susan. Thank you well, so thank much. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you, no. Purgatory Regional <laughs> Office. We got two regional offices, one in Texas and one in Wisconsin. I love it. That's right. The doctor and the Monsignor. <laughs> Dr. Barry, it's a pleasure. It's been too long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's end with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. And may Almighty God bless you the, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Thanks, if, I Susan, see, Doug, if I don't see you here, Doctor, I'll see you in heaven. And Father, I, I'm sure I'll see you before then. <laughs>